to episode 173 of the Win 6 podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual. As usual, you know, I may be premature with that. I don't think he's earned that one yet, but it is Jordan Tresky. He's still with us, everyone. Hello, Jordan. Hello. It's just a habit I'm in, because there was a time where you would join me as usual. And then I misplaced wires. Yeah. We'll go with that. But now you're back. You're rudely jingling Elise in everyone's ears. I mean, <laughs> did you miss them, everyone? Yep. It's cold here. Yeah, it's cold. It's cold, says the man who constantly has ice. <sighs> Always has ice. Anyway. I'm actually in an ice bath right now. The microphone is positioned such where my, I don't have to move my head as I am in an ice bath. I'm not really in an ice bath. I can that he's not in a nice bath. I wouldn't have the camera on if he was. That's as far as, far as I'll go on that one. No, I go, I go in an ice bath, fully clothed. Like, I mean, that's basically going outside right now. It's that cold. It's awful. So I believe. Uh, Ty Windish brought my attention to this. And he still, he messaged me again today because he gave me the temperature. And I said, that can't be real. I thought he'd mixed up Fahrenheit and Celsius and trying to give one to me. I was like, I think at the time he said it was minus 13 Celsius, which is my language. I don't know if any of you understand that. But I was like, no, no, come on now. That's not, that's not a thing. But hey, it is. Anyway, we've, we've literally, we've done the kind of thing that, you know, we've done Small Talk 101. We've talked about Jordan's ice, what the weather is like. Maybe we should move on to talking basketball. Might be an idea. We're going to talk some books uh, a little bit later. As usual, we'll take your mailbag questions in this particular episode. What we're going to do before we move on to the books, though, we're going to talk about the Wisconsin Herd. It's been a while since we've really had a good chance to do this because Jordan has been away and no one else watches the Herd. It's just me, Jordan, and the people who... The, to be fair, the plentiful people who make their way to Menominee Nation Arena. And, and Pointer. Don't forget about Pointer. Well, Pointer is one of them. He's always there. I'll, I'll have some Pointer takes earlier, later on, I should say, later on. We have a mailbag question, and I've got some takes. I've, you know, I said some things, got to clear the air. While we've had a little break from talking about the Herd, though, I think the last time there was any meaningful Herd conversation was when I was joined by Chris Reichert, and it was kind of a, you know, well, how real is this? What can the Herd do from here? What is normal for an expansion team in this situation. And Chris kind of relates as well, what the herd is doing, you know, that's not normal. You don't really see a team come in and play at such a high level. And the time since they've just taken that to a new extreme. As we record, Wisconsin Herd have the best record in the G League's Eastern Conference, 15-8, which also doubles as the best record in the entire G League through 23 games. I mean, it's a 50-game season. We're right coming up to the halfway mark, and the Herd are the best team in the G League. This is literally what your dreams were made of prior to the Herd becoming a reality, Jordan. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, I tried, yeah. I tried this, this is the point in the Rocky movie where the training montage would really ramp up. Yeah. We're the underdogs. We're Sly Stallone. But the Herd are Sly. And they're not Stallman. Oh Get it? God. <laughs> it, 
it hasn't all been plain sailing for the herd. They have had their ups and downs. We've discussed in the past. They have this habit of you know, third quarter in particular disappearing. That's kind of stretched out into games a little bit more. Maybe we'll talk about some of the reasons why that may be the case. But I think the biggest takeaway with this team, and it's one that's kind of been obvious from early in the season, is they just have a pretty abnormal amount of talent for a team at this level. To give a better example of that, to really frame what the Herd are doing at the moment, we're recording this the night before... 10-day contracts come into play for the current season in the NBA. As you listen to this, who knows? Perhaps some of these players may be on the receiving end of 10-day contracts. Real possibility. Xavier Mumford played in 19 games so far. 24.6 points, 5.1 assists, 5 rebounds, 1.9 steals per game. While shooting 53.2% from the field, 48.5% from deep. Incredible. Truly, pretty good. truly incredible. <laughs> James Young, 22.3 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 steals, 44.5 from the field, 37.1 from 3-point range. Pretty good. Cliff Alexander, 17.9 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 1 block, 1.2 assists, 62.1% from the field, 40% from deep. And it kind of goes on. Joe Ballenboy, you know, he's been up and down. Hasn't been there too often because he's been with the books, but averaging 14.8 points, 10.9 rebounds. Cameron Oliver come on in a really big way of late. 12.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, over 50% from the field. The herd of also obviously had Sterling Brown there for spells. DJ Wilson, Chris McCullough of the... Washington Wizards currently on assignment. You know, they're a really talented roster. Guys like Shannon Brown. Shannon Brown's picked it up a lot recently. Kyle Casey has been giving them consistent contributions from often actually in the starting lineup. He's a guy who Jordan Brady really seems to like what he gives to the team, much like Jarvis Summers, who's been really steady as well. They're just a really well-rounded team and so much fun to watch. At this stage, it's safe to say that they're already they already have exceeded all expectations for the season, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I think as much as guys like Xavier Mumford and James Young, Cliff Alexander, the list goes on and on. Um, it's guys like Kyle Casey, Shannon Brown's picking up as you mentioned. Jaquan Lewis has been very solid. Like he's yeah, swipes. Know he, he knows how to pickpocket guys, and he knows how to. He's been. Uh, shooting a lot better than the start of the season that really helps too like it's you know that supporting cast around your kind of the standout players that obviously as we see with the bucks that does mean something when you know your team is going doing pretty well and i mean a big conversation point for us earlier in the year was we were trying to find out you know what was the team really good at they were winning but it wasn't always apparent how they were winning the, the I think the cause for it had still is they have this disastrous kind of these disastrous spells that are tanking their numbers and a lot of that came in the third quarter, which has killed the likes of their net rating, their offensive rating, their defensive rating. Saying that though, a lot of that has started to normalize. It's not up to a level where you go, okay, they're the best team in the league, which at the moment they are by record, but they're now sixteenth defensive rating, thirteenth in offensive rating. It's starting to move back towards a place where, you know, maybe by season's end, they could be top 10 on both sides. Beyond that, they're a team who are incredibly willing to shoot the three-point shot. Pretty good overall, 36.4%, which has them again about top 10. They are a team who gets a free throw line a lot, 27 free throw attempts per game, just outside the top five, and they make their free throws too. Certain areas where early on it looked like, you know, maybe they'd struggle rebounding. They've improved dramatically at 45.5 boards per game. I mean, that's only 1.2 rebounds a night off the Texas Legends, who currently lead the league in that department. Uh, they have become a much better passing team, also around top 10 there, 21.3 assists per game. I mean, turnovers remain a big problem. They're no longer the worst team in the G League. And their turnovers have finally dropped below 20 per game. They're 19.1 now. 
So they're showing improvements in some of their biggest areas of weakness. And most other areas, they've kind of moved up to top 10-ish level. And I think that's kind of maybe a truer picture of what the Herd are as a team this year. It's not necessarily that they're going to beat you in any one way. They're just incredibly well-rounded. They have a really good mix of players at different positions. And they're pretty good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's very apparent, even though I've been away. I've obviously tried to keep up with it and obviously getting back into it the last two games. It's just apparent that this team is really talented. <laughs> and how they've acquired guys like Mumford and Alexander, you know, giving up G League draft picks. Uh, more than one, I, I think, in, I believe in both uh, situations, right? Yeah, in both situations. At least in Mumford, Mumford for sure. I'm not, I can't remember about yeah, Alexander. Yeah, I, I think anyway. that's right for Alexander. Definitely one for this year there was. I think there might be a future too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, either way, I mean, that's that's all you can ask for. Then obviously you get boost when you send guys like Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson assignment. And even though as the two-way players, you know, obviously Gary Payne did only play like three games like that, or three games while he was a two-way player for the Bucks. Belomboy is, I believe, eight or seven around there. Um, and we haven't seen Sean Kilpatrick. And maybe we never we, will. Never will. We never, yeah. Regardless um, of what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's There's been a lot of – It's that, that's not even including the, the early guys that were changed out. There's been a lot of moving parts here, and it's always kind of been like fly by the seat of your pants. That's how their seasons really started for the Herd, especially with, you know, being – I mean, it, it was apparent from the first game with the, the game winner. Anyway. They're kind of settled down, and then they know who they are, and they they assembled all these pieces together, and they're just you know obviously one of the best teams of the G League, uh, and the best G team in the G League. Right, say it, say it loud, say it proud, Jordan. I don't know when <laughs> we'll get to say that about the books in the NBA. So I feel like you know the timing of this podcast couldn't be better. They, there's a chance that by Friday they will no longer be the best team in the G League, but. We've got to capitalize. Strike when the iron is hot. Uh, a couple of other details I think worth noting on that. Cam Oliver picked up off waivers. You know, we can talk about trading for Munford, trading for Alexander. That obviously requires something too, but Oliver was a guy who was there for other teams they could have had. And for yep. some reason, they weren't going to get him. So, you know, the Hurt said, okay, well, if no one else is going to make a move, we'll go make that happen. Dave Dean has spoken publicly about being very much on top of any opportunity in terms of the waiver wire at the G League level. That was one way where he definitely exploited that. Another thing worth noting, and I guess we haven't talked about it a lot recently, a guy who we'd kind of penciled in as likely to be incredibly important to this team at the start of the season, Michael Dunnigan. He's missing out six weeks following surgery now. He was their obvious you know, G League veteran. He gave them very good minutes to start the year including one surprising star turn where he single-handedly won a game for them. He's the kind of guy that, you know, has real value at that level too, and they've been without him and haven't missed a beat. So even he's going to come back. The big question, of course, is are you bracing for potential, probably likely losses in the coming days and weeks? I certainly am. And I believe, I mean, if anybody's been following the herd, it's, I feel like everybody has the same collective answer. Uh, it's gotta be Xavier Mumford. The guy's been shooting the lights out of the the building, out of the <laughs> Nation Arena, and before that. Actually, no. Do you play one game in the Bradley Center? I think that was right. Anyway, or two games, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's inevitable, especially with teams kind of, Obviously, there's the 10-day con- uh, uh, period opening up tomorrow or Friday as we're recording. Um, there's obviously the non-guaranteed deadline, which teams, including the Bucks, they could you know do whatever w- with the players that are on non-guaranteed contracts. And then I th- what, next week is also the two-way when it kind of sets in stone you know, f- freezes, I guess. Correct. I'm, um, I'm trying to think exactly. 
for some reason the 14th is in my head. It's around that. It's next week regardless. Yeah. Um, he's just too good not to be on a two-way contract or some sort of roster spot for from an NBA team at this point. He's proved it not just on the G League level. He got called up to Team USA for World Cup qualifying, FIBA World Cup qualifying, I should say. Um yeah, it just makes so much sense, and obviously, we've we've been able to see him play, and you want you want the Bucks to be the team that kind of swoops him up and utilizes him. But I don't really think that's going to be the way that they go, unfortunately. But no matter what, these guys need. If, if you're showing out this much on, you know, on the G League level, these guys deserve to get a shot in the NBA, even if it's just ten day contracts. They just need to get their foot in the door, and I think. For Mumford's case, I think that's going to be coming. I mean, I'll be happy for him if he lands anywhere in the NBA because having watched him, he's earned his shot. Like I think it's yep. it's hard to be anything other than incredibly happy for a guy who is twenty five years old. He still this isn't someone where it should be like this is his last chance. He's still young enough that he could go on and have an eight year incredibly successful career in the NBA, and he's shown yep. to have the the ability and maybe more importantly the attitude to go and do that with how he's kind of continued to play. He's got his chances before. It hasn't worked out. You know, it's if for any kind of player on the fringes of the NBA, it's always going to be about right situation at the right time. Maybe he gets unlucky with that. Who knows? I'm sort of amazed. You look at some of the two-way players around the NBA. How has a team not waived one of them and signed him to a two-way deal before now? It's really absurd to me. I mean... I, I don't I don't know what the books have done not to to have got to this point where it's going to be like that. And having got to this point, it doesn't make it seem likely they'll be the team who decides to, you know, do something about it and give him a deal. Having had someone play that well under your nose, in your system, as, like, they're so determined to keep telling us, you know, things are the same, play calls are the same. Well, then why do you not want this guy in your NBA team? I mean, let's be very, very real about it. DeAndre Liggins is giving nothing offensively. His defense is gone. He's not doing the hustle things, at least not successfully he was doing earlier in the season. Just as pressing, though, Rashad Vaughn is just like a waste of a space on this roster. And that's not, not true his own fault right now. You could say it's true his own fault collectively up until now. But it seems like Kidd has no intention of playing him again. And whether it's Mumford or if you want to go James Young, whatever it is, like the herd have guys who are certainly deserving of a shot. And if you're not going to play Vaughn, well then, it's, you're not, we're not talking about one wasted spot if they kept Liggins, you know? It's two, because if Vaughn's not getting in the game in a blowout, like against the Pacers, that's a pretty serious red flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I, I think it's interesting where these obviously there aren't these call ups that they were before with, you know, the introduction of two way contracts, but obviously we'll we'll see how that works with ten days coming in now. But I wonder how teams look at players taking on really lead roles and wondering if that will translate in some way if they you know, if they're kind of more of a supporting, you know, not facilitator, that's not the right word, supporting option or kind of like third option or just, you know, saddle up in the corner and if the ball comes his way, knock down like a three-pointer or something like that. I wonder if that's how teams really take into account how kind of chopping up that type of role and having that kind of decrease on an NBA team, how much thought they give into that where guys, there'll be some guys who are like, oh, he's done pretty well, but like he's not like a standout per se. Uh, and on G League level and putting you know up insane numbers like a guy like Xavier Mumford has, but I don't know. The yeah, <laughs> this definitely. I, we were talking about this a couple months ago about Buck Survivor, and uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's been a horribly mismanaged uh, uh, scenario where <laughs> you bring all these guys in and you don't even take one of them, and then you pick up the guy that. Uh, was had some impact at first, but the big rig wheels have come up uh, very fast and very, very dangerously. I mean, we, we shouldn't forget that Munford was briefly in camp as well. 
James Young was in camp, so it does it does go beyond kind of just saying, oh, you know, um, these are players who've been there with the herd. I I get what you're saying about the role. That's definitely an interesting point. I don't feel like that applies to what Mumford's doing as much as it would to James Young. Like, I think the James Young that we're seeing in Wisconsin, he's showing his talent, and there's clearly a lot of that, but I don't think that version of him is ever sustainable in the NBA. Because if you're a team who's going to give him that level of freedom in the NBA, you're not going to be a good team. Mumford plays much more within a team, you know, within himself also as well. There's a lot more control to it. Sure, he's aggressive, sure he'll shoot, but he's not a gunner, you know. He's not chucking up shots at a completely insane rate. And particularly when he's making almost 50% of his trees and over 50% of his field goals overall. It's it's an interesting dynamic. Of course, we're talking about Mumford and Young. There are plenty of other players playing really well in the G League that the books could just as easily replace someone like DeAndre Liggins with. Someone like Rashad Vaughn with. I'm kind of, you know, in a spot where I think regardless, if they were to waive Liggins, maybe they keep Liggins and they waive Vaughn anyway. Even if they were to waive both, Kilpatrick will probably get one of those spots if someone's getting waived. Now, maybe we're taking too much of a reach to assume that, you know, Kilpatrick himself won't be waived. Maybe he's in for an addition for a Liggins spot and Kid will decide, I prefer Liggins. No point keeping this guy in a two-way. Let him go sign on a 10-day somewhere else. I mean, do I think that is a big mistake? Yes, I do. I would be pretty annoyed about it. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Maybe even more probable than possible. <laughs> I've seen your face, Jordan. You agree with that. It's it's really going to be kind of... It's really going to be messy business for a little while. You know? Un- until we get a handle on it. And I don't know. It's... I really struggle to see what good comes from Ligon staying. And that sounds like a harsh thing to say. It sounds pretty awful. And to be clear, he did do good things at the start of the season. He was helping the team for a while. The numbers were showing that. It's just we now have a pretty significant sample size to view him from. And in that bigger picture, he is not helping the team at all. It's pretty messy. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean... One element of all of this, which is interesting, and I guess you kind of go, oh, well, Jabari will be back soon. There's really going to be a lot less minutes for guys towards the back end of the rotation. No matter what they really do, these aren't necessarily going to be players who are going to play a lot. And I, I think I've even seen some of this already in response to this kind of idea. And I know we talked about it in the summer, and it's like, at the end of the day, we're talking about these back end of the rotation guys. Maybe they play two or three minutes a game. What does it really matter? That is true, but I think you want to maximize your opportunities and the players you have in your roster so that if injury strikes, or if, as Jason Kidd has had to do recently, something's gone bad and you need a spark, that you have a guy like Sean Kilpatrick who delivers that, you know? That you've got the most capable player to give you a chance of getting something different. So... On the one hand, yet yeah, they're not going to be the most vitally important players. But why have 12 good players if you can have 15? You know, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think the books have decisions which could allow them to have more good players coming towards crunch time for the season. Yeah, any way you can improve your roster, take advantage of that. And they have ways they can go about it. And, I mean, it's, it hasn't been good so far this you know, the ending of the rotation has not been that good for the Bucks so far this season. There's way to, ways to go about that, whether it's not even – you don't even have to make a trade. Again, you can wave DeAndre Liggins, can make Sean Kilpatrick a part of the 15-man roster, whatever you want to do. There's ways to do it. It's just kind of how the Bucks will choose to do it and what they do over the next few days, week, whatever it is, uh, even up to the trade deadline because obviously – They'll be start pick, They'll be picking up sooner uh, with the earlier trade deadline. So there's ways. There are holes to that need to be addressed in the roster. And it's Bucks are 20 and 16 right now. They have to take advantage of, especially if they. We talk about playoffs, and that's expectations are. That's obviously a big theme of this season. And it just seems if you're not going to be able, if you're not 
willing to kind of beef up the end of the rotation guys, even if they're not getting significant playing time. And you, maybe it's you want to send Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson down to the Wisconsin herd even more. So be it. But just do something. Having these guys just sit on the bench and languishing without getting some game rep game reps in is not very helpful. One other player that I want to mention in this, and maybe this fits into what you were kind of alluding to earlier about teams could look at it and there's guys who maybe aren't playing quite at the most obvious top level in the G League, but they could see use for them. I just wanted them on the herd for the books, not Cam Oliver. You know, the books have a need for a big guy. He is incredibly athletic. He's a real energizer. He shows good effort on both ends. Could be a kind of pretty solid player to plug in for limited minutes here or there. And is also very young. Should really have been the second round pick. Unlucky not to be drafted. Someone that you could bring in and all of a sudden, two years from now, it could be... You could be dealing with the equivalent of being like, you know, that's another player we brought in through kind of, you know, through our development, like you would a draft prospect, a manageable asset for at least a short period of time, longer period of time than you generally have with most NBA players. Like, there are different angles they can work this. I think there's just, I don't know, maybe there will be some bio candidates that are really, you know, standout guys that you go, okay. He's on the market. If he wants to come to Milwaukee, you go and get him. But otherwise, I think there's a real risk of them kind of getting someone pretty uninspiring who's kind of a recycled name who has to go through this process every year and probably wasn't on an NBA roster for good reason before the season or hasn't shown recently that they're deserving of another shot at that. It's like, if you're going to do it, let's do it with a player who you can say, you know, maybe there's something here and maybe we can come to terms on a deal where we don't just have 10 days, we don't just have till the end, end of the season to get our kind of, you know, a really good value pickup. Be like other smart teams. Go, okay, this guy seems really good. Let's sign him, let's give ourselves the option. The Gary Payton deal the books did last year was actually really good. I think yeah. that's, that's something with these decisions looming that's worth highlighting. If the books wanted to keep Gary Payton, they had the option to do so, to do so very cheaply. Um, even when they decided otherwise, he had been their system, he was familiar with things, he was a guy they clearly trusted, they spun that into the two-way. All the other stuff that happened, right, we saw he was leaned on way too heavily, but it was something they were able to do because of the way all of that was managed. In the end, I wouldn't say it was managed all that well from Gary Payton's perspective, because hey, oh, yeah. he's out of the league, he's without a team. But the books played that very, very well. There's a young player they were interested in, a draft prospect kind of guy that they gave themselves a chance to bring in, develop. And if it worked out, they would have him longer than that on a really nice low-value deal. You've got to play that game. This is when you've got the high-end cap headaches that the books have that are only going to get even greater this summer and even greater again the summer after that. Got to start being smarter like that. I think that's the route they've got to look at. What if they What if they wave Liggins and bring back GP two? <laughs> I was coughing, so I couldn't laugh immediately. <laughs> but I mean, would you rule it out, Jordan? Would you really rule it out? No, considering how Buck Survivor went again. Didn't the year Jorge Gutierrez was here, didn't he get waived? He had, I want to say he had two 10 days, he got waived, and then they brought him back on the deal to the end of the season later, like a week or 10 days later. Like, I remember (laughs) a meaningful period of time passing from when he had been waived, thinking, oh, well, that's the end of Jorge Gutierrez. And then he came back and he started a game or two near the end of that year, I remember. Yeah, because didn't he? Because I remember he actually started a game and then he got cut very soon after. Which I mean, that's punishment for you know not having a great game. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> I think Gar- Gary Payton too is definitely the Jorge Gutierrez of twenty ten day con ten day contract January twenty eighth two thousand fifteen. Sign another one February seventh. Part of ways on February seventeenth. So I, I believe that was the trade deadline. Got reacquired by the Cannon Charge where they held his rights. And then on April 7th, he uh, 
signed a multi-year deal because he was, and then he was with the team during that right. playoff. Right, and run. he had the Gary Payton two thing of, oh, I'm coming into camp, you know, maybe I'll make the team, and then they're like, see you later, Jorge. Yep. So the Bucks have history of doing that. So maybe GP two is not gone yet. The reactions if that happens. It's that DNA. Which is uh, the Bucks DNA. Jordan, I mean, let's be real here. If they can get rid of Liggins and go and get a starter, they've got to do it. Starting caliber yeah. point guard in the NBA. <laughs> Jordan, let's move it on to the mailbag. Let's do it. Moving on to the mailbag isn't going to see us change the topic all that much because much like this is on our minds, we're thinking, what are they going to do? It's on all of your minds too. The difference in this section is Jordan is going to have to answer questions. He can't just talk about the decision. Jordan is going to have to make his own decision. You ready, Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> the first one from at or underscore Andrews88. What to do with Ligon's Kilpatrick final roster spot slash two-way? Ideally, do you cut Ligon's, sign Kilpatrick, James Young, or Mumford, and give Mumford or James Young the two-way? What is, is your, does your ideal scenario, would it involve keeping Munford and Young in some sort of way where the books would control their rights? Mine wouldn't, and I think this will be unpopular because I think the people really seem to like James Young. Maybe that is the name value and the first round pick and everything goes with that. I don't know if I'd necessarily be looking to hold on to James Young right now. Could be proven very wrong. That could be a mistake. He's definitely got ability, but I'm just not entirely sure of what what you'd get by bringing him into a spot where you're going, okay, James, we need a big eight minutes from you. Yeah, and he's kind of, I, I again, the herd are my fortress of solitude. It was, I was happy enough to see James Young go off and my return to my humble abode. Anyway, um, yeah, I would go... Cut Liggins, sign Kilpatrick at that spot, and then sign Xavier Muffer with the two-way. Because, as I said before, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks guard unit right now, or rotation, whatever you want to call it, or call it, they're doing really well right now. I mean, obviously, there's Bledsoe. He's been stellar since coming to Milwaukee. I wrote about it. Read it. Um, but Delhi's picked it up really well. Brogdon's past his kind of that weird spell where he was kind of trying to find his new role coming off the bench, all that stuff. The guard rotation right now is doing really well. Obviously if Delhi's form kind of dips back down to where it's kind of been at periods uh, during his time in Milwaukee, then it doesn't look as good, but any way you can kind of switch it up or add some talent because there is talent in Xavier Mumford and I believe it's NBA caliber talent too. And um, I just think, they just need a guy like Xavier Mumford who is instant offense where where he goes. Um, and his three – I mean, he's, again, he's shooting ridiculously. So is James Young. But I just feel like there is something there where – I think one of the first kind of heard podcasts that we talked about, we broke our kind of like a Lou Williams comparison, if I remember correctly. Again, if you watch last night's game against Cannon Charge where they're storming back, it's very apparent that he kind of has this way to just knock down shots, make it to the foul line, drive, uh, you know, penetrate the defense, all this stuff that I see happening that if you need buckets from a guy, just, you know, throw him out there and nothing's really working and you throw him out there, it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, and I just think that's going to work out better for the Bucks as of now. Uh, so yeah, I would I would definitely go Mumford over a guy like James Young. Yeah, and I think to be clear, like uh, this, I've I had some of this to explain. Apologies to people because I tweeted about Mumford this morning after watching the Herd game. I I don't want to bore you with the details of my day, but I'm having a problem with the battery in my phone. I had to get a new battery. I was out my phone all day, and many 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 hours later, after a taste of what Jordan Tresky's last month was like. I came back to lots of notifications about the Mumford thing. And one of the reservations that was thrown out there was that, you know, the books have a ton of guards. What does it do for the books to bring someone else in? And I, th I think you've kind of hit that on the head because, you know, what does bringing in a turret center do, right? What, 
So if we say the Bucks are a terrible rebounding team, they're lacking depth at center. Third center isn't going to solve that. You know, the kind of guy you're going to bring isn't just going to solve that all in one go. Much easier to solve is how do we just get that extra bit of punch consistently that the bench unit needs? Yep. How do we get someone that is at least a threat that, if nothing else, teams will respect him enough that Malcolm Brogdon's shots become easier? That maybe Ton Maker has easier shots and continue to kind of do some of the things he's been doing. Like, the the thing with Delhi, and, you know, we'll, pro- we'll talk about some more about Delhi, probably our next podcast, uh, but the thing that has really been shown is people can say what they want about Delhi. Delhi's an NBA player. He's proven yeah. that, like, that may not be, you know, that he's at the same ability level as most players in the NBA, but he has got what it takes to make an impact in the league, and he's done it for a long time. The difference in having a healthy Delhi in the rotation to that second unit group is colossal because what are you doing? It's an injection of talent. It really is. Delhi is an upgrade in Jason Terry, you know? Delhi is an upgrade, upgrade in DeAndre of, Liggins. Delhi was an upgrade over Michael Carter Williams. I know that's not a high bar, high bar to clear, but colossal that's, upgrade. Yeah, that's that's where I don't know. Delhi makes There's teammates whole... better. MCW didn't make himself or teammates better. Still doesn't. Yeah. Yep. Um and I think too it's really interesting because for a long time, we've kind of always catered to what Giannis does well and how to build the team that way, get shooters. Obviously, that's always that's going to be the concept. You want to get shooters so you can space the floor no matter what it is under an ideal you know, coaching philosophy, which may not exist right now. But uh, you want to make a, the big picture of how, you, how everything, all these parts work for the Bucks. It's catered around Giannis. But at some point, and we saw this with the Bledsoe trade, and we just see it with how the bench is just – its if it's not the worst statistically, it's one of the worst uh, in terms of you know scoring punch and all that stuff. Just pretty get sure talented it guys. Worst. It's still the worst? Okay. I'm pretty sure. Just get talented guys. That's all that matters. Talented guys. It does not have to be about fit. You have the fit in spades. There are players that fit well with this roster already. Just get talented guys. That's all. That's that's where I'm at right now. Where if if a guy falls through the crack, falls through the cracks, or someone gives up on him and has to release him, a la you know Sean Kilpatrick, pick him up, swoop him up, all this stuff. Guy like Xavier Mumford, he's in your system. Just get talent. There's there's ways to go about it. It doesn't always have to be like, well, how would he fit with this guy? Sometimes talent and fit can come, you know, kind of synergy with those two things and it works out for you know in the end um, to weigh in on this for me my idea the involves waving Vaughn. i mean they can afford to do that they, they haven't picked up his option he's not playing you're not gonna play him let's not waste the roster spot right now jabari's not back yet telly is out for possibly the entire season like that wouldn't surprise anyone if vaughn can't get on the floor and you're not gonna have him next year and you can afford to move and bring other players in and stay under the tax. Make the move happen. Do something. So, I mean, I'd be waving Liggins. I'd also be waving Vaughn. And, you know, that may allow you to bring up Kilpatrick on a proper deal. Munford may be on a real deal. And then still have a two-way that you can play with. You could keep James Young then too if that's what you want to do, you know? I, th- I think there are options. The next one, from a Jay Spanbauer. Would you please explain why the books are going to ultimately choose to re-sign DeAndre Liggins rather than call up Xavier Mumford? <laughs> uh, this is an easy one. I'll give you. I'll give you two words. Jason Kidd. Oh. Jason Kidd. I mean, Kidd likes Liggins. We know that much. I mean, if Liggins doesn't get cut, the only reason is because the coach really likes him. There's no other reason. He's not, he's not going to stay around because the players really like him because, you know, the players really like GP2 from what we heard and that didn't make a difference. I think the only way he stays around is if Jason Kidd is like, no, we've got to keep Liggins. Guarantee that deal. I thought the two words were open umbrella. Elaborate on that one, Jordan. Well, when it rains, it pours. Right. 
and you got to open up that umbrella. Take shade at the rain. These are all facts. I, I can't dispute them, so I guess so. I'm going to stick with my answer of Jason Kidd, but I'm not going to say open umbrella is wrong. <laughs> I want to throw a curveball. What if it's Milt Newton? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Milt Newton is just, he's such a fan of DeAndre Liggins. Yep. He goes, John, not, to, not today, John. Put the phone down. Not today, John. What if I heard they, I heard some of his friends like to call, like to use his longer name, but they shorten up his last name. So it's Milton Newt. The next one from at Danny C four two zero one two. Why do I see a DeAndre Jordan trade coming soon? Horse made it clear over the weekend on the Bill Michaels show. They are, I quote, and this is Daniel. I'm quoting. He has quotation marks here. Going to get John and Tom some help. End quote. Throw that many lobs to the rim. Exclamation here from Daniel. Thoughts on horse comments if you heard them. I don't know why you see a DeAndre Jordan trade coming. I personally don't, but this is the books and anything is possible. I I was very much reassured by... I know we've talked with this and you were kind of like, oh, it was coming from a Warriors, you know, Warriors kind of reporting and everything. I was reassured by the Zaza and JaVale McGee report and not necessarily because of anything to do with those two players, but just more to do with the profile of player. It kind of let me exhale and go, okay, right. If that's the kind of player they're going to look for, they're not going to do anything completely ridiculously reckless. And I do think that's the case, you know. The the biggest reason to make a big trade right now is if they've just decided there's no, we don't want Jabari next year and we have to get something out of Jabari. If that is the case, getting something out of Jabari isn't trading for a guy who could leave you in six months. Like, you're, yeah. you're better off having a second-round pick, a controllable asset that you know you'll have for at least three to four years. You know? So, I, I think that is the only reason why a bigger trade comes about now. If the books decide, you know what, we don't want Jabari Parker beyond this year. We don't want to be the team to pay him. Then, Jabari probably gets you in the conversation for bigger name guys. But even if you're bundling other players with it, you need to target someone who you know will be there next year. You have control of their cost. Really important to this books team. I think I think Horst is probably telling the truth. They will go and get some help for Ton and John because, you know, two centers is not... I'm knocking on wood now, Jordan, but that's not a great situation. You know, they've been very lucky with both of those guys' health during that spell. And even a minor thing now, well, Joel Ballenboy's days have been burned as he sat on the bench, mostly. So... If they needed him in a more kind of meaningful way, they wouldn't be able to have him for all that long. I believe they will go get some help because you could be like, you know, a, a sprained finger, a sprained finger and uh, I don't know, Jordan, give me another dumb injury, a stub toe. Sprained yeah. finger and a stub toe away from having no centers in the postseason. Well, Henson, remember Henson missed the game with, didn't he get knocked in the eye or he had to get eye surgery or something? No, that was, didn't he get like LASIK surgery? LASIK surgery, sorry, not eye surgery. I made that sound more... Actually, maybe it wasn't LASIK. There's but, something with his eye. Because when Mirza got LASIK, he had to wear the protective goggles, obviously. So why Did... wouldn't Henson be? Hmm. But then I know Henson, I was going to say used to. Maybe he still does wear contacts. I don't know. Horace Grant. Yeah, Horace Grant did wear goggles. That's the help that John Horace is getting for the books. <laughs> 53-year-old Horace. I don't know if he's 53. Well, with Kareem. If we're just going to get goggles, why not Kareem, Jordan? It's true. I... Oh, 52. I was one off by one. Hmm. How would you feel if the books announced tomorrow they'd sign Kareem to be third choice center? Whew. I think I'll be excited. 
I think it is the Kareem City. Oh God. Oh God. From a Danny C four two zero one two again. Don't you think if the books were going to fire a kid, it would be best to do it now? Might as well hire a new coach or promote Prunty now so they can get a feel for the team before next season. The coach can better game plan during the off season. I, I think the the last part you said is important in that um giving as much of the off season as possible is definitely important. I don't I don't necessarily know if it's the best thing for a team now, but I think it's kinda like, you know, the band aid has to come off eventually. So why not just get it off now? It's kind of kind of where I'm at in some parts of that. I I don't know if it's just kind of as straightforward as though it's the best thing to do now. I think there could be negative effects by introducing someone new, particularly to this group of players, and considering, as I've said multiple times, no matter how strange Jason Kidd's ways are in a system, a lot of these players have only ever played under Jason Kidd in the NBA. So there'd be some real adjustment. The obvious counter to that is what is maybe the most likely situation if Jason Kidd was to be fired tomorrow, that Joe Pronti would be an interim coach for the end of the season. I'm sorry, I really like Joe Pronti as a person. I've had great fun over the years bigging up Joe Pronti. It's time we talk about just how ludicrous, just how awful an idea that is. I don't know, does everyone know this? There's a good chance they don't. We have discussed this before. It is very rare for Jason Kidd to put a clipboard in his hands and drop a play. Very rare. So, all of the frustration you have at poor offensive plays, poor offensive play calling, what was happening there? It's okay to blame that on Jason Kidd because ultimately he is the head coach and whatever the team bring out onto the floor, he has to bear responsibility for. But do not be mistaken, most if not all of that is Joe Bronte. You think Jason Kidd's defensive scheme is poor? We don't know what a Joe Pronti defense looks like, but we know the defense he has been in the room and been a part of for the last few years is like, you know? It's not his defense, but if he really, really objected, gotta think at some point he'd have put his hand up and said, what if we try something that doesn't give up the corner trees? Or the open layups. What if we start there? No corner trees, no open layups. Might that be a good idea? I know I'm the offense guy. That seems like a good base for defense. I'm sorry, the Prunty thing is... Firing kid to keep Prunty is just giving disruption. I think it's still a very familiar situation. Often in sports you can see a coach get fired, a new coach come in, you get a bump, right? New voice, players are looking to prove their place to a new coach. Why would you get that bump if Pronti was the coach? It's not, it's not, he's not just a guy who's been there nine months even. Like, I, I just don't know what that would achieve. So that is something. Sorry, I need to get off my chest. But it's, you know, why? What's the point in that? I think any talk of maybe Pronti could be, you know, he's a really good assistant coach. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. This isn't shaming him by any means. We had a we had a good conversation privately about this recently. Myself and Ty Windish, right? Regular winning six guest, uh, contributor behind the book pass, former site expert before Jordan staged a coup with an iron fist. Is that what they say? Well, I was gonna say originally I was gonna than... say iron thumb, but <laughs> right. I think that's a monopoly piece. I mean, iron thumb seems more your style. Let's be, you're you're more thumb than fist. <laughs> but Ty said to me, you know, why not Bronte? Why not? He's coached Great Britain team. Really put his years in. Was an assistant under Popovich. Why not Bronte? This is the kind of guy, is it not, that you see go from a spot like that around the league and go and thrive. And I, I just think the only counter to that is this isn't a normal situation. When Mike Budenholz or Brett Brown were in San Antonio, they weren't drawing up all the plays for a system that, you know, people were already describing as having very serious defects. And I think the defense is the most costly side of what the books are doing. I mean, the offense is not good, right? They have Giannis. They can do very good offensive things from time to time. But there are plenty of moments where you look at what the books do offensively and go, this just could be so much more here. Pronti is a difficult one. 
for me. And I understand, as I said, it's not a personal thing. I, I actually like Prunty. And to double down on that, none of this is a personal thing. I don't have anything personally against Jason Kidd. I just don't know why or how anyone could really feel strongly about we need to get Jason Kidd out of here and we need to give the guy who's been drawing up his plays all along the clipboard, you know? Let him answer to the media as well as holding the clipboard. That's really what we're saying. Who would... Like, Prunty's going to have Sean Sweeney run his defense. Come on. Of course he's going to have Sean Sweeney run his defense. I mean, I don't know why we're giving all this time. I read an article yesterday, you know, explaining why Jason K might be a good long-term answer for the Bucks. The, the article, the headline said that. The article was more like, mm, you know, shrug. Maybe he's not bad. Maybe he's not bad. It was bad. literally the biggest shrug of an article I've ever read. Maybe he's not bad, and Yanis might resign, so maybe Milwaukee should just, you know, ride it out with the coach. It mightn't be bad. Yeah, enough about that. Um, to, to the actual question, which none of that was directed, Daniel, that wasn't really about the question. It was just, <laughs> I, I heard Prunty and I saw red. Um <laughs> And again, I like Pronti. I feel I very much like Pronti. You remember, I'm the one who I spent the time to make the original Pronti banner. Playoff, playoff Pronti. Playoff Pronti. That was also us. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Pronti love here. It's just if you're going to change the coaching staff, this is not the way to do it. Oh, coaching staff need to go. Let's hire the assistant as the new Basically, coach. Basically, what you're saying is we want a new voice. We want to be in those chairs, and we hear a voice singing over that microphone, and we turn those chairs around, and we go, whoa! And then we hit that button. Got to hit that button. <laughs> I'm explaining I thought that analogy puns. was going to go somewhere further. I, I understood it was uh, the voice analogy. Thank you. But I, and I turns out the person turning... that was singing all along was Carson Daly. <laughs> Well, I was in my head actually imagining myself in the chair, hitting the button. It's slowly turning around to reveal Joe Prunty standing there with the clipboard. To bring it all together, it's Velvet Vito Brown. We've got to wrap this up soon because I've got a Photoshop to make, I think. Um, <laughs> from at JR underscore Andrews 88. Buyout candidates at the center or any position, if it's possible to guess this. It's very difficult to guess this. I'll give you one buyout candidate at the center position. It's got to be good for some team. His name's Gregory Keith Monroe. <laughs> Bucks can't sign him, though. Nope. Uh, Moose, poor Moose. What had He played on Thursday night. Prior to that, he logged five straight DMPs while being completely healthy. Think about that, Bucks fans, next time you take joy in watching Eric Bledsoe. What we, what we sent Moose off to do. Remember when Zaza and Dudley were, you know, sent to places they like because it was important, important to build up that message of Milwaukee. I don't know how many good things yeah, Moose is going to have. What a weird! Oh my god, I forgot. Well, we sent that. Oh my god, I totally forgot. That was like the big reasons why they. That was what they did. Like, they took nothing for them. Top fifty-five protected picks because they wanted to get both guys in good spots. It's very noble. I admire that. I, I, it's it is very like, noble. But it's, it's also... it, is, it is a good thing. And the idea behind it was, you know, I think there is something there. I just don't know what good there was in that when a few years later, Greg Monroe was going to be like, I signed there's their biggest free agent ever. And let me tell you all the things that happened. But he did love one thing about Milwaukee, right? Calatrava. Right. Um, can you think of any other bio candidates? Kyle Quinn. I don't think he gets bought out. He's he's gonna get. I mean, they'll get something for him. Why did they buy him out? He's on a great deal. I know they've got lots of centers. He's not getting bought out. Thanks for the name. I mean, that's a good trade candidate. It's but... a good trade candidate, but who knows? Who knows? Anyone else can think of buyout? Not necessarily center. But let's uh, the other, we have to remember the remember like bio candidates last year. It's like Andrew Bogut, Darren Williams, 
Like, let's not. It's going to be that same ilk of players. I mean, they're the kind of guys you can I know, but let's out. not act like it's this panacea. No, it's gonna, you're going to have some big names. Maybe not even this year. But they're overpaid and they're old. Which is why they're getting bought out. I think, like. Well, what if Lou Alden got bought out? Oh, my that's God. entirely possible. No, it's not. That's a lot of money to eat. He might leave some on the table. Is he playing at all? I would not. I, would I haven't say watched the Lakers this I've year. Never... I, don't think he, I don't think he will, but I don't... Maybe Lou Deng just really wants to play. I, I, I've literally... I don't think I've watched the Lakers outside of the game to play the books this year. Yeah. Maybe the what team was... I've watched the least in the NBA this season. Christmas? What was that? Did you watch him on Christmas? No. I've... I mean, it was Christmas. I had things to do. People to see. I wasn't watching the Lakers. Who did the Lakers even play? I think it was the Timberwolves. Why would I watch that? Was that the, the players only? Or are they, sorry, the, the, yeah. oh my, why would I watch that? I don't know. It's the battle for Minnesota, Minneapolis. I saw that. They wore the Minneapolis jersey, jerseys, didn't they? That's yeah. bad. That's bad. I get sidetracked quite a bit in this podcast. From my cowboy of space. As the Jabari return looms. How do the rotations look for the closing stretch of the season? Especially now that we've seen Delhi, Tan, and Henson all shine recently. I can tell you what I like to think they look like. Because I think the the natural thing to do in this is to be like, okay, well, this bench guy's losing minutes, this bench guy's losing minutes. I would like to think that Yanis and Middleton will be playing less minutes when Jabari is healthy. You know, that would be the best way to find Jabari's minutes is if you could reduce your starters' minutes, have a good starting group, a good bench group, and be able to play everyone less minutes overall and win. That would be a very good start. Um, More realistically, I think Henson will lose minutes. I think Snell will lose minutes. You shook your head on Henson. I, I think with Jabari, just in terms of to get the guys on the floor, we're going to see more Giannis at center. Yes, but I... Uh... That's my only yes. reason for it. Um, yeah. Snell will lose minutes. I don't know if that's a good thing. And beyond that, it's very tricky. Yeah? Like, I mean, Jabari shouldn't really impact Malcolm Brogdon's minutes. Maybe Brogdon could, could play a little bit less. It's not you're taking minutes off him. You'd have the luxury of not having to play him quite as much because your bench wouldn't have to rely on him as much. Of course, the other element of that that's tricky is like, well, is Ligon's going to be there? Is Ligon's going to be there getting 17 minutes a game and Jabari's going to get 12 minutes a game? Jordan, we need to know. Oh, my God. From at underscore Al Hopper. I'm currently doing a 1,000-piece puzzle. The Milwaukee Bucks puzzle has 15 pieces. Can I be the head coach whenever kid is gone? We won't win, but I'll be the best coach the NBA has ever seen. I'm struggling on that last part. Gotta say, Alex, I'm struggling. Alex has updated this since we've been on air, too. So the update is, it's now a 999-piece puzzle because it's dog ate a piece. Mm. David's on 21 added, if I wanted to see key pieces mismanaged, I'd keep Jason Kidd. <laughs> To which Alex informed them, I think the piece was grass, so it was mostly green. I guess Mm. I could take Horst's job and mismanage the salaries. Um, Okay, interesting. Interesting tread. (laughs) I I don't know, maybe you could. Could Jason Kidd do the 1,000-piece puzzle? I don't know. What is the puzzle of? We know there's grass in it, unless that was purely for the joke. Maybe the puzzle is purely for the joke. If this was you, there would be no puzzle. This would just be no, a joke. No, there would be a puzzle. Weeks I don't lie about puzzles. Okay. I'm glad we've got that clear. Yeah. I'm not a puzzle liar. I love how you were thinking, reaching for a better word than liar, and eventually <laughs> just had to settle. I'm not deceitful when it comes to puzzles. I'm not a puzzle liar. I've got at least for the posts on site. Puzzle liar. Joining me this week. <laughs> He's not a puzzle liar, Jordan Fresky. Boom. Sorted. Do people know know the post? I don't think anyone. I don't think anybody's ever. 
<laughs> if, if any of you read the post, most weeks, about 99% of the time, particularly when Jordan's there regularly, I don't think I gave him one last week because he didn't deserve it. It's gone too long. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's normally an Easter egg of Gotta earn it. in there in terms of how I refer to Jordan. An Isn't Easter that... egg. Maybe that is what the puzzle was. An Easter egg by a bush, the grass. Boom. This is the weirdest podcast we've done for quite a while. And I don't just I'm... mean because you've been away. I mean, like, quite a while. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who wasn't here when the podcast was really off the rails. Yes. From Matty Ice to Ish. Did Kid not see Liggins the last few games, excluding the Pacers game? That's <laughs> a good question. I read this earlier and it didn't hit me until I read it out loud. Maybe I don't maybe Sterling Brown was standing in front of Liggins. Maybe that's just the the approach generally. If Rashad Vaughn wants to get in the game, stand in front of Liggins. Sit beside Kid on the bench. I think th- I think I know I'll, everybody's laughed at that quote. Okay. Oh, and ha ha ha, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem here is Jason Kidd clearly has an astigmatism and he's not doing anything to get it worked on. He's looking at the bench, he can't see guys. He has a blind spot in his field of vision. I don't know if this is a good joke, Jordan. I don't know if this is a joke to go with. I'm just saying you know, like John Henson, like Mirza Toledovich, get your LASIK done, guys. Don't don't <laughs> yeah, this this podcast has gone off the rails. <laughs> From a Chase Manbauer. Why doesn't the herd mascot have three heads? Uh, one that would be terrifying. Very. And I feel that's very. That's reserved for mascots to... at the NBA level. How would you logistically hold up? Like you'd have to put your hands Jordan, in for the put, other heads. You put three people in the suit. Oh, that's oh man. Mm. That's gotta be a big suit. Yeah, the, we need to. The heads would need to be able to move. So like. One could be looking straight ahead and the other could turn and look at you. No, I, I would rather do hands. And then you could look, the hands could the look at I, each other. Th- so what the, the mascot needs is arms. You can't do hands. If, if the hands are up there and there's just these two floppy arms, how's the mascot going to get people? I'm just up? thinking of a more, I don't know, what, why am I First of all, that? his name is Pointer, right? Yeah. Isn't the herd mascot. I, I alluded to this earlier. I I pointers growing on me. I feel bad about. It. I wasn't enthusiastic about pointers. Look, there was something I can't remember what it was now. That's how much I've grown to love pointer. Any flaws? Think... They're now just you know. Love is blind, Jordan, and I'm a pointer fan. When you watch when you watch on Facebook Live, pointer does a great job in between. In between kind of timeouts and stuff, he gets gets people worked up. Speaking of puzzles. They did a thing where there's, I believe, I'm going to guess it's a BMO bank card that you have to do the puzzle for. Do that yeah. every Herd home game. Hunter. Hunter. See, I've just Hunter. done it. That's what he was nearly called when Jordan and I were trying to have our say. Pointer always Sense. helps. Always helps. Helpful. I feel if it was Bango. Bango. Bango's a bit more he'd rip. He'd rip that puzzle up. <laughs> when, that, when that was just a little bit out of your reach and... She's like, two seconds, Spango would just put his foot in it and kick it away. Pointer's a helper, you know? I don't know why he doesn't have tree heads. Probably for the children. I'm going to go for the children. But he's a really good mascot. G League mascots aren't all that good. So, yeah, okay. I had some initial disappointments on Pointer. Pointer's, Pointer's big time, though. You know, he, he's, he's a star, too. We talk about the talent on the roster... Pointer is just as talented. So last question, Jordan, and we should really wrap this up because this, you know, we're losing listeners faster. <laughs> From at David Dunn 21. <laughs> Talk about a fitting question to hark back to the days where the podcast was completely off the walls and generally three hours long. Mm-hmm. I will take my time machine to the year 2001. And pick up Glenn Robinson, Lindsay Hunter, and Sam Cassell. If you trade me Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and Malcolm Brogdon. 
do we have a deal? No. Absolutely not. I'm sorry, David's not 21. You are one of the world's biggest Big Dog fans. You wrote a really great piece on Big Dog for us recently. Recently. What, what, what's wrong with me recently? Does, does like 12, 14 months more count as recent, Jordan? What's happened to me? Does this make me old that that feels recent? <laughs> um, I don't know how Big Dog fares in 2018. I don't think it's that. I think it's just the weak link. If you compare... Yeah, and also Lindsay Hunter in there compared to... That's Malcolm Brock, you know, Brook of the Year. Now, I understand why Lindsay Hunter's in there, because if the question was Clem Robinson, Ray Allen, and Sam Cassell, we go, okay, we take we take the old big tree and we add them to Yanis yeah. and Jabari, and we go, yeah, okay, we've got a team. Um, yeah, plus... Losing both Bledsoe and Brogdon in bringing back the hole would be very problematic. And obviously, another point in this question that's worth noting is, you know, we may feel just a little bit better about Chris Middleton than they've done 21 does. Lindsay mm. Hunter is probably the Chris Middleton proxy in this trade for they've done 21. Probably, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's so, comparing. You know, it's it's tough for us. How did he? Know. How did the order go when he was the big three? That was actually it was Glenn Robinson, Eric Bledsoe, Lindsey Hunter, Chris Middleton, Sam Cassell, Malcolm Brogdon. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm on to him. <laughs> what I will say, Davidson, twenty one is regardless of our differences opinion on Chris Middleton, it's good to have the time machine back. This is very... Your timing was perfect with the time machine. We didn't know when you sent it in, but this podcast turned out to be just the kind of mess that we used to turn out on a weekly <laughs> basis. Jordan, this is it for us for a couple of days anyway. Uh, I guess an important scheduling note we should put in there. I haven't even discussed this with you yet. Um, maybe Jordan will contradict me on this and say he's going to record a solo podcast. But if that's not the case, there will be no mailbag podcast next week. I will be in London for the NBA London game between uh, every Bucks fan's two favorite teams, the Celtics and the 76ers. And I will therefore be unable to record. Jordan, are you doing a solo podcast next week? Uh, maybe, I, I, I mean, I do one all the time. <laughs> uh, it's just a matter if I record it. Otherwise, London calling. Yeah. Uh, oh, so there will probably be no podcasts next <laughs> next Friday. No mailbag. We'll make up for it, though, I'm sure, at some point. We will be back, though, as usual, on Monday. So before that, you've still got one more dose of us before a short break. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to Snapple Podcasts, Falls and SoundCloud, Addison Stitcher, Favourites and TuneIn Radio. You can read all of mine, Jordan, and the rest of the team's work at BehindTheBookPass.com. And you can follow our podcast Twitter account at Winning6Podcast. We will be back with you within a few days. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you.